I want to pray for the, the fires. Um, thank you, Pastor Ariana, for, for mentioning that. A few years ago, we had the fires in Kelowna. Does anybody remember those fires? And, and I remember them, and I'll be honest with you, I almost watched them as a spectator, sitting home at night, and they'd show up on TV, and you'd see the fire on the mountain, and, and it was almost like drama, but I was a spectator. But over the last number of years, I've had the privilege of driving up to 100 Mile many times. We have a place up there, so we've had the privilege and honor of going up there. And, uh, and our place is not in an issue at this moment. But there's communities all the way up there. And like the community of Williams Lake, they've evacuated the majority of it. It's like a ghost town. 100 mile businesses are literally just close their doors one day. One day of their business, the next day they close the door and they've got no income. They've got no support. And people have just left for, for the evacuation and, and, and those situations. Clinton, Cash Creek, Ashcroft, Princeton, Clearwater, uh, Lone Butte. These are all Little Fort. These are all communities that have been affected. And, and I'm not just going to pray. Okay? I'm not just going to pray. I get... I think sometimes we just say, oh, God, be with them. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to speak to those fires. Because Jesus didn't just look at the storm on the water and go, oh, I pray that you go. He said, no, be still, and it was still. And you and I have that authority. So this morning I want to give you a little bit of frame of reference because I don't believe it's just once. You might have to do this a few times but you can speak to the storm. Now, this isn't my sermon, but this is something you may want to take and grab a hold of because this is good stuff for you. When you see a storm rising and you see fires in front of you, you do not have to fear, but you can look at them and say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to stop now. So this morning, I'm praying for the loved ones up there. There's some people here this morning, Jared, your aunt, from Horsefly, and you are here this morning, and your, your place is, you can't get out of Horsefly. Is that correct? It's difficult to get out of there. There have been affected. Cora, your, your mom and dad and your sister and her family are affected in Clearwater. There's people here that have family that are affected, and I will stand beside you and with you, and I'm not just going to stand passively, but I will stand aggressively, and we will speak to those storms amen so I want to take a moment and you can join with me you can either declare it yourself or you can stand with me and say so be it but I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to speak to those storms those fires right now in the name of Jesus I speak to you forest fires all throughout the interior of BC and I command you to stop now in the name of Jesus and I speak to the clouds that you would bring forth rain and that you would douse those fires. No lightning, no storms, no wind, but just rain and it would deluge those places and they would see supernatural rain fall from the sky above and it would douse those flames and people's homes would be saved and people's places of residences would not be affected. And I speak to those that have been hurt and affected and I speak the peace of God over them now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that you have blessed us and that we have comfort here, but we stand with family and friends, Lord, throughout this province, and we speak peace to those storms now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I've said this before, but if somebody comes into your house and he starts to do damage, he ain't going to do damage. He ain't going to do damage. Not in my house. I've got a baseball bat. <laughs> Literally. But I've got the king of kings. And don't be passive. You have an advantage. And those storms must listen to you. Can I hear an amen?
Amen. You might walk a little taller when you leave this morning. Hallelujah. Let's pray for the sermon this morning because that could use some prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are here today. Oh, you're like a father with your kids this morning. And your presence, just, just let it come even now, Lord. I know you're here, but Lord, your manifest presence, your felt presence, your, your presence, Lord, that touches and we feel it, not just, just ethereal, but Lord, it actually touches our being. Come now. Holy Spirit, I yield myself to you and I ask you to use me as your messenger this morning. Amen. In worship this morning, does anybody here think of a theme that came through worship this morning? It was one of the words that came through. The word was glory. And glory, if you look at the word, one of the aspects of glory is weight. Did anybody here experience the presence of God coming on them? He actually imposes himself on you. That's the glory of God. I, I had a funny picture. Uh, I, I will get to my sermon, but I, I want to appreciate the presence of God this morning. And as Olivia said to sit in his presence, God said, just sit down here, David. And it was like, no, I can't do that, God. I'll sit in my chair. So I sat in my chair, and he says, David, I want you to be like a little kid. So I came, and I knelt. And he said, no. Have, have you ever had conversations with God when you kind of like you give halfway and you try to convince him that, you know, like I've done what you said. And he says, no. And he wanted me to sit cross-legged. You say, why? Because I felt like I was a child in kindergarten. And the joy of being in a class and the excitement of being around the teacher. And I just sat there, and it was like I was almost looking at other students with me, grown adults. Can you imagine if we were all sitting here cross-legged, watching, looking at the teacher, and it's like, I can't sit still. I can't sit still. I, I, I want to raise my hand. Like, that's the pleasant, the precious, precious presence of God. So I did it. And as I did it, he spoke to me. Come, Holy Spirit. We'll get to the sermon. We'll get to the sermon. I put too much time in it to just leave it. But his presence is here right now. I love music, but you know what? We can bring his presence just by speaking to him. Just close your eyes. If you want to raise your hands or open your hands as an act of faith to receive, I, I'm just asking him right now just to pour on you. Oh, I love that. Mm. You might say that's weird. You can put your hands down. Well, I would submit to you grabbing five stones and facing a giant is weird too. 
I would suggest to you building an ark for 120 years when there's no sign of rain and nobody's heard of rain is kind of weird too. I would suggest to you going to battle with a jug and a lantern when you've got 320 some odd people facing a battle of thousands. Sometimes the things we do may not make sense naturally. But I don't live a natural life. I live a spiritual life. I'm born of the spirit. My father is spirit. So there's sometimes we do things of an outward expression that shows an inward receipt and receipt of what he's doing. Amen. If you could turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. I'd like to read the main text this morning. And as I'm preaching this morning, I'm asking God, the Holy Spirit, to come and he's going to just touch. I'm asking him to touch all of you this morning. We've come to gather. He's here. He's here. If I was to sit down with many of you and talk with you the rest of the week, the other 666 hours of the week, you're sometimes by yourself. So he's here with us right now. I want to take full advantage of the Holy Spirit here as a body with us to minister to you. Do you receive that? So I have a sermon. We've been talking about process, and we're going to talk a little bit about this this morning. God, the Holy Spirit might touch you in different areas. And if, if he comes upon you in something different than I share, I'm totally fine with that. If you shout amen at something and God's ministering to you, let the Holy Spirit this morning, he's chief, and let's let him minister to you. Hebrews 12, chapter, chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. I'd like to read that this morning, and then I want to share a few thoughts about gaining perspective in the process. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore... Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Perspective in the process. Have you ever lost perspective? Have you ever lost perspective? You've been doing something and, and, and all of a sudden it's gone from a wide open landscape to all I can see is what's right in front of me. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes I think we need to be focused. But there's sometimes that focus or that thing right in front of me even blocks out the sun. And if I'm not careful, all of a sudden, the perspective and the landscape that is so beautiful and so enjoyable, all of a sudden, I get a piece of railing right in front of me, and I can't see past that piece of metal, or I can't see past that tree trunk, or I can't see past that person, or I can't see past that bill, and all of a sudden, everything is about that. Perspective. I've got a couple pictures to show you. One is of the pyramid, if you could show pyramid number one. Can you, imagine, can you see the size of that person there? Two people? Can you imagine standing in front of that pyramid and looking at it and going, I've got to do what? 
I'd like you to put up the second picture now. The same pyramids, but from a different perspective. Those people were standing somewhere around this one. Have you ever looked at something and you've seen the big picture and then life happens, disappointments come, pain is there, insufficiencies happen, my inadequacies show up, my failures come, and all of a sudden I've gone from the big landscape to I can't even see past the one pyramid. So I've got some thoughts for you this morning. What I'd like to do is I'd like to expand your playground. I'd like to take you for a few moments and I'd like to expand your playground. I'd like you to get off of just that swing set, take a few steps back, and take a look at the big playground. We have a grandson. And we have a swing set. But when a visitor comes to the swing set, all of a sudden, that one swing isn't enough. Have you ever, have you ever seen a, ch and, and I pick on children because they're just so innocent. But we have, we have a swing set. It's got two swings on it. But two swings is not enough for two kids. Because the one swing is the one that I want. And the child is on that swing, and another grandchild comes through because Pastor Daniel and Pastor Brenda are beside us, so we often get to see their grandchildren come. And all of a sudden, the one child on the swing, the other child wants to be on that swing. And you say, there's another one right here. No, 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 no. Ah. And, and, and they're learning how to speak, but they learn how to speak in grunts and groans and screams and hollers. No! Ah! I would suggest to you that some of us still speak that way. And, and the child, and then you try to take them back and you say, see, there's a second one. And sometimes you grab them and they still kick. And then once they're in it and they're swinging, it's like, oh, it is okay. But the perspective of that one, that one, that one, so I want to expand your playground. I'd like to expand your swing set. Because none of you would stand up here and say, I'm just like a little child and scream and holler because somebody's in my swing. But we have this thing called Facebook. And I've seen your swing sets. So I want to just spend a few minutes in Hebrews 12 and I want you to see a few things about changing our perspective. And I'm asking God the Father to come this morning and as I'm preaching and as I'm sharing, I'm asking him just to touch each one of you. Because life is different for every single one of us but if we all were to sit down and have coffee, we'd find out there's certain struggles or frustrations that I might face or that you might face. And sometimes, all of a sudden, we've, we've used the term, I've made a mountain out of a molehill. I've made a mountain out of a molehill. And if we were to sit down and talk, and, and sometimes the funny part is somebody's sharing with me about something and I'll just go, that's a piece of cake. Like, don't worry about it. And then I turn around and I start speaking to somebody about what I'm going through, and they look at me and go, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's like, <laughs> you don't understand. As I've talked about process, one of the things I've realized as I've been studying, this is the eighth sermon I've preached on it, a lot of what I've talked about deals with me. Have you noticed the process? Usually it's, it's all about me. 
It's like, do you know what I'm going through? I don't really care what you're going through. Do you know what I'm going through? Do you know how I've been done wrong? And, and we've, we have a society, I mean, we have an iPhone. It's not a you phone. It's not a we phone. It's an iPhone, iPad. We have Instagram. Have you ever noticed how Instagram has a perfect picture, but you know how long it took to get that per- picture perfect? <laughs> my camera, my phone, I have like 15 pictures, but I pick one of them. Because this one isn't right, that one's not right, this one, the baby was screaming, this one, that. And we live in a society that's all about me, I. I've been hurt. I've been hurt. What about me? And, and there's an aspect about the process that I've done that on purpose, but this morning I want to change your perspective because what if, what if what you're going through is not just for you? What if the pain that you're suffering right now is for somebody else? Because we can get so wrapped up in the process that it becomes all about me. This morning, as I'm preaching, I want you to think about what if the difficulties you're going through, and I do not want to belittle them at all. Pain is real. (laughs) I've been there. But if all the pain is, is for me to get over, I'll be honest with you, I think we've missed something. David, what he endured, if he took a look at it and was just for himself, he would have missed the whole nation of Israel. Joseph, his brothers come to him and wow, what, it, what an emotional moment. And his brothers come to him and say, we've done you wrong. And he's known about his brothers now for in the neighborhood of five years. Or, or sorry, um, a few years. It was seven years of famine and they came in about the second, first or second year they came And then he sent them away and then they came back. And so he sat there for at least a year or two wondering, are they coming back? Then they come back and they have this feast. And as they're sitting there, he reveals himself to his brothers and they don't believe it. And then he says, but guys, you've got to realize what you meant for evil, God meant for good. If he would have been so wrapped up in the process, I'm going to step on some of your toes here. You threw me in a pit. Not only did you throw me in a pit, but then you had lunch while I was down in that pit. You didn't leave. You had lunch. You didn't even give me lunch. You threw me in the pit. Can you imagine the therapy he would have had to go through? Not only do they throw me in a pit, but then they have lunch. And then they conspire to kill me. And the only reason why my eight other brothers didn't kill me or nine other brothers didn't kill me is because one of them said, no, let's just get some money out of him and let's try. Now, he was trying to save me, but I had no clue. But he saved me. And they sold me. He's thrown in a pit. Then he's sold. Then he serves where he's at, and he's raised up where he's at, and the guy realizes everything that happens around here is because of Joseph. So he promotes him. And then his wife gets this feeling, and she thinks, ah, He looks better than my husband. So she chases him around for a bit and she tricks him and deceives him and 
and lies about him, and he gets thrown into jail. I mean, I thought getting thrown in a pit was bad enough. I thought them having lunch when I'm in the pit was bad enough. I thought having lunch when I'm in a pit and then getting sold into slavery was bad enough. Then I'm thrown. Can you imagine? <laughs> Come on. Joseph didn't just wake up and say, oh, this is just fine. He had two kids, and his kids' names were all about what he went through. Now, he did get perspective. But when his brothers came, he said, guys, it's not about all that. It's about what God has in store. It's about what God wants to do. What does God want to do with you? Getting perspective in the process. If I become so self-centered, so David-centric, that I miss what maybe I'm learning in this, I will miss what God has to do. What if, think about this, what are you going through right now? What if what you're going through is for the benefit of someone else? Can we change the perspective of the process this morning? I know I've got the great graphic that shows the dips in the valleys and everything else, and that's real, and the process changes. But what if, what if the disappointment I'm going through is so that I will help someone else reach their appointment? What if the grief that I've experienced will help somebody else process and walk through and not experience what I've had? What if the sorrow that I've experienced, what if the betrayal that's happened to me? What if the loss that I've had, what if those things actually will help somebody else? I want to change and I want to mess with some of your perspective this morning because I fear that our society makes it all about me. And we drag that into our Christian life and then we try to fit God into that box when God's saying, no, I don't fit into that box. You fit into me. And we've taken God, and, and I've seen it. We try to rationalize what we go through and even scripturize it and make it some theological explanation. And what we have is we've taken scriptures and we've twisted them, shoved them in, pushed them down, contorted them, and those are things Pastor Henry Schmidt taught me how to say. And we've taken those things and we've caused ourselves to believe them when in reality God has a bigger picture and a bigger perspective and we need to get away from me and start looking at what he's got. Perspective. What if? In Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, it says halfway through that chapter that Moses looked at the suffering of the people and he says, I choose that instead of the luxury of Egypt. And he did not know at that time that 40 years later he would lead the people out. His perspective was, I'm going to go through this and endure this, but he had no clue at that moment that 40 years later He'd be leading the children of Israel out of Israel, uh, out of Egypt. King Goliath, uh, King Goliath, King David killing Goliath. That was not just for David. It's amazing. If, if you stop and think about it, one stone, probably the size of some of the rocks we have out here, changed a nation. <laughs> I'm thinking, I wonder what that would be like in Canada. 
I, I'm not, uh, I better qualify that because some people might think something weird. One little act, one act of obedience, one little thing that God has given you can change a nation. Not playing with a slingshot and picking on people. That's not what I'm talking about. So I want to see... I want you to see three things out of Hebrews 1, uh, Hebrews 12, verses 1, 2, and 3 as to how you can grow in the process. And I'm just going to read the verses. I'm going to go through the verses, and I'm just going to talk about them for a couple minutes. Steve and John, if you would be able to go to the piano. I know my wife probably hasn't texted you yet, but I'm gearing up for a change here. I'm going to be done shortly. Everybody said amen. I can keep going. Hebrews 12. I want to show you three things about how you grow in the process. Verses 1, 2, and 3. The first thing I want you to see, it says, since we've been so Encompassed with such a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside everything and every sin that so easily besets us. If you want to grow in the process, are you prepared to let go of some of those things? Some of those sins, some of those things that entangle us, my opinion. <laughs> it's my opinion should matter. I'll be honest with you. In God's kingdom, sometimes my opinion does not matter. If my opinion does not line up with his word, who's going to change? Last time I checked, he wins every single time. In the process... Lay aside those things. What about relationships? If those relationships are not the relationships God wants for you, are you prepared to lay them aside? What about attitudes? This one might step on your toes because I did not shake your hand this morning. Because he didn't do this. Or I'm not going to receive from them because they're younger than me. There's people younger than me that I receive a lot from. There's people older than me that I receive a lot from. Attitudes. How do you grow in the process? First thing is you lay aside. You let things go. I'm not going to sing the song, but you got to let it go. You've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. Right now, God's talking to many of you. And he's speaking to you. And as I'm saying, you can let it go. Some of you are saying, no. I deserve to be able to be miserable about that. <laughs> let me tell you, let it go. But you don't have a clue what they did for against me. Let it go. But you don't understand. Let it go. And usually, what's funny is usually it's the butt that gets in the way. And I'm not going to talk about butts, but it gets in the way. The first thing that I want you to see in this passage about how you grow in the perspective in, in the process is you lay aside. Are you prepared to let go of those things that you've held on to dearly that are of no benefit? They're actually weights that pull you back and hold you down. Are you prepared to let go of them? Are you prepared to let go of behavior? Are you prepared to let go of attitudes? Are you prepared to let go of responses? Are you prepared to let go of perspective of how you look at this person or that person? Are you prepared to let go? Lay aside. And it's not just sin. 
it says every encumbrance. I mean, yes, we need to lay aside our sin and we need to stop doing those things. But sometimes it's not even sin. Sometimes it's just stuff that gets in the way. It says in John 15, when he prunes, he said sometimes he prunes something that's growing so that which grows could even grow better. First thing I want you to see in how you grow in the, press, in the presence and in the process is that you lay aside. Second thing I want you to see is, is in verse 2 it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. He's taken it from fixing the eyes on me and those things that beset me to now I fix my eyes on Jesus. I have lost many arguments to myself when I fix my eyes on Jesus. And what's amazing, if you read this passage, you go down a couple other verses, and I just find this amazing. Sometimes the Bible can slap you in the face and say, get with the program. And here the writer of Hebrews, in verse 4, he says, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against it. He's saying, come on, guys. And we get this martyr complex. Do you know what I went through? And here he says, man, what you've got, you haven't even started to shed blood. It's like, gulp. Second principle I want you to see in how you grow in the process is that you fix your eyes on Jesus. I cannot stress that enough. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. You want to see something perfect? Look at Christ. Look at Christ. Look at Christ. You say, well, what about look at Christ? I mean, <laughs> have you ever had an argument with a child and every time they say, well, what about, and you just pull the rug underneath their feet and say, no. This is kind of like that argument. Well, what about this? What about Christ? That old wristband, WWJD, what would Jesus do? It's like, ah, I don't even wear it because I know every time I'd look at it, it's like, ah, okay, all right, I'm sorry, please forgive me, okay. Look unto Christ. You say, well, you're getting legalistic. No, I'm getting biblical. We have so much philosophy running around that we've replaced the Bible with what Dr. Phil says. Oh, you want relationship? Talk to Dr. Phil. Oh, you want to feel good? Listen to Oprah. Oh, you want to do this? What does the Word of God say? This is my standard for living. This is my manual for life. And it says, David, if you want to grow in the process, take your eyes off of you and fix them on Jesus. It puts a lot of what I go through into perspective. And it becomes like, boy, I don't want to complain about that because that's like nothing. That's like nothing. Fix your eyes on Jesus the third thing I want you to see is how you grow in the perspective is in verse 3. It says, for consider him. So the first thing you do is you lay aside those things. Then you fix your eyes on Jesus, and then you consider him. Think about what he did. I don't think we sometimes think about what Christ did for us enough. Do you know he took away your sins? But not only did he take away your sins, he like, like removed them. Sometimes I think he just kind of just washed over them and they're still there. No. No. <laughs> he removed them. When he looks at you, he doesn't look at you with a history. The only history he has is the cross when he looks at you. He doesn't look at you and go, 1998, 
2002. Oh, 2003. That was a real bad year. He doesn't. He came and he saved you and he took away your sins and he removed them. He blotted them out. Think about that when you consider your perspective. I'm not a sinner. I am a saint. I don't live with a litany of all these charges against me. They've been removed, taken away, and I am free from them. I consider what he did for me. To grow in the process, I need to change what's hanging on to me. I need to change where I look, and I need to change how I think. Because my stinking thinking will get me back into the same mess. I just want to give you these three pots, points, pots, points. You have to do what you have to change what you're doing. What are you carrying? If you've got baggage, now's a good time to let it go. Don't have an argument with God. Just let it go. I mean, you're going to have to sometime. And it only gets heavier. Change what you're doing, what you're carrying. Number two, change where you're looking. In your perspective and in your process, it's not all about David. I will look to him, the author and the finisher of my faith. So change what you're carrying, change where you're looking, and change what you're thinking. I believe if you apply those three principles, you will see change in your situation and in your process. I had one amen. I don't like three steps, four steps, six steps. It's Christ. It's Christ. So I want to give you this instruction this morning. Let it go. Change where you're looking and change how you're thinking. And then if it doesn't change, come and talk to me next week. Seriously. If it doesn't change, come and talk to me next week. I'll ask you, did you let it go? I'll ask you, are you looking to Christ? And I'll ask you, are you thinking about him? And if you can answer those three questions, yes, 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 you shouldn't be talking to me. Come on. Amen? Let's just sit still for a moment. so good. Mm. Pour out your spirit, O oh Lord. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Oh, I worship you, Lord. Just worship him now. You are so worthy, Lord. You are so worthy, Lord. Oh, you are worthy, Lord. There's a sweet presence of the Lord. Oh, his presence is here this morning. Change my heart, Lord. Change my thoughts, Lord. Change my mind, Lord. Oh, would you change how I look at things, Lord? 
Oh, would you change me, Lord? Just worship him this morning. Just make, make some prayers to him. Just speak to him this morning. He's here. He's ministering right now. He doesn't want you to leave the same way you came in. But he wants to touch you. He wants to affect you. He wants to see you go from glory to glory. He wants you to see the perspective that he has on those situations. He wants to pull you from what you're looking at to looking at him. Just take a moment. Let's just worship him. Just receive from him this morning. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you endured things so that I could enjoy things. Praise you, Jesus. If any of you want a, a touch from God, if any of you are struggling with something, I'd like you just to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But if you're looking at your process, and you're saying, I need to change that. I need to change perspective. I'd like you to stand. And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to touch you. Mm. What I'm going to ask you to do is if you could raise your hands if you're able. And I believe God wor works. His anointing falls. It's on us. It's on me. But I think there's something powerful that happens as music is played. And, and I'm just going to ask God to touch you as the music is played. Jesus. I am with you. I am with you. In the midst of the storm. I am with you, and nothing shall stand against you, 
for I am with you. And I am working all things. My hand is on you for good. And I am working all things together for glory. I am with you. My presence is in you. I've gone before you. I've made a way. Come follow me. I am with you. I'm changing what the enemy means for evil. I'm changing it for good. I'm changing it for glory. I'm changing it. I'm changing you. I'm changing all things. Through my love for you. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are working all things for your glory. This morning, Lord, I speak over all the lives here and I declare good things. I declare strength. I declare clarity in mind. I declare peace. I declare health. Lord, I release as you are a good father and you want good things for your children. Lord, I release them and I say that you have the good things from your father. Would you just touch everyone this morning and I thank you, God, for your presence. May God bless you. May his face shine upon you. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Amen.